podcast. We're a pioneer church based in Loughborough in the UK. Our mission is to make disciples to establish heaven on earth. Wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Nest. It's such a pleasure to be up here with you. This I say up because I come from down, down the south down in a place called Chichester, so for me I'm definitely up, though I know I'm actually in the middle, but I am up. So it's a real pleasure to be up here with you over this weekend. It's especially lovely to be able to connect with Ness and with Rich again, having known them for so many years, but we don't often actually get an opportunity to meet. So it's great to be able to stay with them and have some time, and then also to be with you and to be able to join in with you and with your life as a church. And, and I just love the little glimpses of what I have been getting. And that glimpse of you as disciples and people who are wanting to make disciples in order that you can grab handfuls of heaven and bring heaven down here to earth. What a fantastic vision. And as we're thinking over the course of these few weeks around the the broad theme of justice, and then thinking particularly today around environmental justice, that just fits in so brilliantly with that vision of seeing heaven come to earth now. And we've sung some dreaming songs as well. You know, that open open wide the gates. We want to sing songs that bring hope and mercy and justice. And I can't remember all the words, but do you know, we've been, we've been dreaming while we've been singing those songs, dreaming of a different society, dreaming of a place that is full of justice. And I want to ask you to do a little bit more dreaming And to ask yourselves, what would this society, what would our world, what would my street, what would my school, my workplace, what would it look like if those things that we've been singing about actually became reality? And if we were to see justice happen now, if we were to see environmental justice, what would it look like? And I want to ask you just to chat very quickly with the person next to you. This isn't about, I don't want big statements like, well, we'd see an end to world hunger. Yeah, we would. But actually, what would it look like? What would you be doing? What would your street look like? What would your community look like? What would this place look like? What would people be doing? Let's dream for a few moments with the person next to you. What would be some of those things that you would actually see happening? Yeah. 
If you're online and want to put a comment in the chat, then do feel free to do that too. Okay, let's, um, let's hear a few thoughts. Um, I don't know if you're happy just to shout some things out rather than going around with a microphone. Do you want to start drawing your chat to an end now and begin to look this way? No. <laughs> Anyone feel happy just to call out? What, what, would it, what, would, what would you see? What would be happening? Sorry? Yeah, so more people cycling and not having to drive backwards and forwards from the, the estate, particularly that you live on and coming into town, but in general as well. So public, so transport might be revolutionized and might look very different. What else might we see? Oh, wouldn't that be lovely? Yes, we'd live in trees. We would live, but actually that does speak. Yeah, that says something, but we might have houses that are integrating the natural aspects of the natural world into our housing design. So total architectural redesign there. That's brilliant. I love it. Sorry. Yeah, reduction in local flooding. That's right. We would be living and de doing development in a way that didn't aggravate flooding and cause huge problems. And we may have found ways, well, we would have found ways to solve the climate crisis. So we would be seeing more regular patterns in our rain rather than the big, you know, long periods of drought and then torrential rainfalls we were again this is coming a lot of this is coming down to engineering isn't it that uh, those of you who are thinking about what kind of jobs you you want there's some little hints here as to what might be most useful other thoughts yeah sharing resources between people so so real communal type living moving away from the kind of society that we've got where everybody has to have their own individual thing and we hold it very tightly and this is mine, but to a different kind of society where we share and, and we get involved with each other and, yeah, live in that way. Anything else? Oh, go on, and then I'll, I'll come to you. Yeah, <laughs> GP surgeries would have loads of spare appointments because if we were living differently, we wouldn't be suffering from the same kind of health problems that we are living with now because so many of our health problems are linked with how we live and how we interact or don't interact with the wider natural world. So our whole medical system would be completely different. Wonderful. Let's take a final comment. Yeah, we'd be content with enough and not always feel the need to, to buy the next thing and buying lots of things. There would still be things that we'd need to buy, but it wouldn't be at the level that we do now. And maybe as part of that, we would have sorted out 
our, our waste system. So rather than us operating with a society that's very linear, so we buy something, use it, and then we throw it away, we would have moved to a circular economy where everything gets reused. Isn't this a wonderful vision? Isn't this a fantastic dream? And these are the kind of things that, that are part of the kingdom of God. These are the kind of things that are part of environmental justice. When you look in the scriptures, you see pictures of the flourishing of the natural world. You have visions of people who are living really healthily, living to, to good, long, healthy ages. People are content with what they have. There's a picture in the scriptures of each person living under their vine tree. It's a really beautiful picture of, that speaks into everybody having enough, but not needing to have their neighbor's vine tree either. They're just they're content with what their vine tree gives them. Beautiful pictures that we have there. And as you were talking earlier about the different things that you have been doing, whether it's buying, getting your milk from a milk bottle, or we were talking about reducing meat usage and all the, the different things that you were coming up with, all of those are part of, of this vision of the kingdom of God and a vision of a flourishing natural world where people are able to have what they need, they have enough but inequality is kept to acceptable limits. And so we live with this dream. This is what environmental justice is all about. So why today are we thinking about that? And I want to, to move on to some of the points on the slides. There are four things that I want us to encourage, to want to encourage us to be thinking about as to why as a church we are looking at environmental justice. Firstly, for the sake of the world. We've come up with some beautiful images and pictures um, of, I just love that, living in trees, that real interconnectedness between people and the natural world. Sadly, I'm sure I don't need to tell you, we are not seeing that today. We live in a world that is suffering to the extreme. And we live in a world of incredible environmental challenges. I sometimes teach on a master's course around environmental ethics. And I start off by asking people, asking the students to get into pairs and, each, and to list all of the environmental problems that we are facing. And then we, we go round each, each pair. And when we get to the end, we start again. And we go round and round and round. And it takes a long time to get through the list of environmental problems that, that we are facing today. You'll be pleased to know I'm not going to go through the list this morning. I've just put up a few things that illustrate some of the challenges. I, I think for me, the, well, the top three, but the, there are so many things. Maybe the top three are our climate crisis biodiversity loss, and plastic pollution. Climate crisis, it, we know so much about nowadays, don't we? Um, it's something that I've been speaking on now for about 30 years. 
Um, and I'm sad to say that I have had to change my communication around it. For many years, I spoke in terms of predictions. If we don't act, this is what will, ha will happen. And over recent years, I've come to realize that I, it's not about predictions anymore. It's about we haven't acted. This is now happening. We are in a climate crisis. And of course, for many people around the world, they have already been in a climate crisis for years. But the climate crisis is impacting the wider natural world. And one of the impacts that it is having is around biodiversity loss and species extinction. Basically, those are big words, aren't they? But basically, species going extinct because of the way that we're living. Partly because of climate change, but often more so because of the way that we treat the land and the way that we treat the air and the way that we treat the seas. Currently, about a third, so one in three of amphibians and reptiles is at risk of extinction. 25%, one in every four mammals in the world is at risk of extinction. We are facing extinction rates at an unprecedented rate caused by our activities. And linked in with that is plastic pollution that we know so much about, that we are literally pretty much drowning in plastic. And that's impacting our marine ecosystems and other ecosystems too. This is a far cry from the world that we started off dreaming about, isn't it? And it's a far cry from the world that we see in the scriptures. In Genesis 1, the picture that we get there of a world that God has made that is teeming with life. It's a wonderful picture of a world that is full, um, full of diversity, full of color, full of vibrancy, teeming with life. I just love that expression. And that is a world that I want to work towards getting back again, a world that is teeming with life, so for the sake of the world, we are today thinking about environmental justice. And then secondly, and I've begun to touch on this, for the sake of people living in poverty. Environmental issues and people are intricately linked. You can't separate them. You, you cannot care for people without thinking about the land that they live on and the seas they fish in and the air that they breathe. And you cannot think about those things without thinking about the people that, that live in those spaces. At Tear Fund, we hear every day the devastating impact that the climate crisis is having on people living in poverty. We hear about people's homes being flooded um, and people losing their homes. We hear about children then who aren't able to go to school, crops that are devastated so people can't feed themselves and then they don't have enough money, they don't have extra crops that they can sell to market, so then they don't have the money that they need to sustain themselves. It has an impact on marriages. It has an impact on family life. We in the communities that we're working with that are impacted by climate change, they are seeing increasing numbers of child marriages because the climate crisis is leading to poverty. 
and increasing incidents of violence in the home because of all the stress that is brought about by the poverty that people are being pushed into. So the environmental crisis is an environmental, I'm sorry, the climate crisis is an environmental crisis. It's also a social crisis and a relational crisis. And it links in with so many things. And plastic pollution is also impacting people living in poverty. That's one area that we are working on a lot at Tear Fund. Um, around a quarter of the world's population doesn't have access to managed waste. Now, can you imagine if you got home today and there was a letter from your council saying, we've run out of money and sorry, we can't collect your bins anymore. I wonder what would your house and then your street, what would it look like in two weeks? Then what would it look like in a month? What would it look like in six months? What would your area look like in a year? And what would you do? How would you deal with it? Well, you might burn it as a way of trying to get rid of it. And then that would give you terrible respiratory problems. If you were in a hot country, you'd find that all the plastic you couldn't get rid of was collecting water and the mosquitoes were then able to breed in it so you would find that malaria was increasing you would find increased flooding because the plastic would all blow into the rivers and then when the rain came the rivers couldn't flow and so the waters would come up you can see that plastic isn't only an environmental or a marine issue it is also impacting the lives of people living in poverty Again, a far cry from the vision that we long to see, a vision of justice, a vision that we sang of where there is no more mourning, as in M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, no more suffering, no more sickness, no more death. That is a world that we are working towards. And so we are thinking about environmental justice today for the sake of people living in poverty Environmental issues always impact the poorest people the most, and that's the case in the UK and at a global level. And it is an issue of justice. It takes a person in the UK, on average, or an average person in the UK, six days to consume the amount of resources that a person in Malawi consumes in a year. And yet it's the person in Malawi who is suffering the impact of that. So this is about justice. Then thirdly, we're thinking about environmental justice today for our own sake, because we are deeply and intricately connected with the wider natural world. And our well-being depends on it. It depends on it, of course, from a really practical thing of we need water, we need good air to breathe, we need food to eat, and we need materials that we can build houses out of, and so on and so on. But it also impacts us from a sense of well-being. And we were, Ness and Rich and I were talking about this, that this morning, and the, the, the healing power of watching birds. And there's something powerful about watching birds. And on a broader level, there is something about the, 
the way that the natural world can absorb our, absorb our grief. And many of us can testify to that. We found that in the, the pandemic, didn't we? That first lockdown, particularly when we were doing our daily walks and discovering, actually, getting outside and going for a walk, listening to the birds is really good for our mental health. And we know that through countless studies that have shown the incidence of well-being increase when people are getting outside. Studies of people um, recovering from hospital operations, studies of children at school, studies of inmates at prisons, all of them show that there are better recovery rates, better behaviour and so on when people are connected with the natural world. That's actually very biblical. We are created, Adam, the first person, the first, not the first person, I don't see it literally like that. Let me start that again. We are created as Adam. And Adam is a play on words. So the Hebrew for ground, for earth, is Adama. And we are literally earth creatures. We are earthy ones. We are earthlings, not in some weird Star Trekky type way. We are earth creatures. We have been created from the dust, from the ground. We're not floaty heavenly, um, not heavenly, we're not floaty kind of angelic beings up there. We are created as earth creatures. And therefore, where that connection with, with the earth is broken, then we will be broken. Did you know that there are actually microbes in the soil that when you get your hands in the soil, those microbes trigger a chemical reaction inside of you and trigger the happy hormones and trigger those to be released? It's amazing scientific biological stuff that speaks right to the heart of who we are as people. We are designed to get outdoors and to get our hands dirty. And when we don't do that, then we suffer. There's a chap called Richard Louvre who has talked about nature deficit disorder. And that's what so many of us suffer from. So I want to encourage you, get outside. Have a look at the birds. You know, blur, if you like blur. You might remember park life. It brings us an enormous sense of well-being if we feed the feed the pigeons and sometimes the sparrows. You know, he knew what he was talking about. Get outside and get your hands dirty. And then fourthly, for God's sake, underlying all of this is what our Christian faith tells us. And if we can get onto the, the next slide, I just want to remind you of these really basic points that God made this world and he loves it. This isn't a world that God thinks is a bit inferior and is going to be destroyed at some point while we spend the rest of our days on a floaty heaven somewhere. That, that's not biblical. God loves this world. It is absolutely precious and valuable to him. And I would love you to get some sense as to how God sees this world. It comes from God. It, God breathed. He spoke and the world came into existence. This world, all the natural world that we see around us, 
comes from God's breath. It's not something totally separate to him that he pushes away. It's so precious to him. Precious enough that Jesus died not only for human beings, but Jesus died for the whole created order. Colossians tells us that Jesus' blood was shed on the cross to reconcile all things, not only people, but all things to God. So God loves this world, and he's asked us to take care of it. We have been placed in this world as God's kingly servants, if you like. There's so much biblical stuff in that um, that I could unpack, and I'm not going to. But we have been placed in this world as his kingly servants to take care of what he has made. That's our job. That's why we are here. It's gone wrong because of us. We know that, and we see that actually through the scriptures as well. And we see in the scriptures that where people don't follow God and where they don't look after other people, then there is environmental degradation. Some of the Hebrew prophetic literature brings those three things together. But the good news is that God has a future for this world. It's not just going to be discarded while we spend the rest of our days on a heaven somewhere. This world is going to be transformed and renewed, and we are called to be part of that vision and part of God's plans. We take our part, we take our place in God's plans for the redemption of all things. And so the reason why you get your milk from a glass, from the milkman, I'm sorry, that's the example that's stuck in, stuck in my mind and all the other things that you've said. The reason you do that is because by doing that, one, you are worshipping a creator God. And two, you are playing your little part in seeing that vision become reality today. And you are working, playing your part in working towards that future hope. So we have this massive gap, don't we? What we long to see and what the scriptures talk about and yet some of the awful reality of what we see today. Let me very quickly touch on how do, we, how do we actually respond to that. We stand in that gap, and we do that by giving, acting, and praying. Giving. I want to encourage you to be really generous with your money. You probably know that Jesus talks about money more than anything else apart from the kingdom of God. It matters what we do with our money. And it was great to hear about the ethical investment and opening up a, an ethical bank. Think about, that's all right, you can stick on that one. Um, think about where your money goes. Do you want to go back to the slide before? Thanks. Think about where your money goes. And think about the, your giving. Do you give to organizations who are working in this kind of area? So let's give. Secondly, let's act, and now we can go on to the next slide, thanks. And we can act in two ways. One, we can act through our lifestyle, and that's the kind of things that we were hearing about earlier. All those things to do with the sorts of food that we eat and how we eat, where our food comes from, travel, the way that we get around, thinking about our energy. Switch. Someone said switching to a green energy supplier. That's absolutely brilliant. And our waste and thinking about 
how much plastic we use and moving away from single-use plastic. And of course, there's loads of other things too, technology and clothes, and I'm sure you could come up with lots of, lots of different things. But for me, those are the top four. So we act by taking action in our own lives and doing the kind of steps that we were talking about earlier. And then we also act by using our voices to speak truth to power, to call on our governments and businesses to put in place the policies and practices that work in favour of the world's poor and in favour of the natural world. So we should be out there campaigning. We should be on the streets. We should be using, let's be using our voices. Get your MP in here and talk to her or to him about the, their climate commitments. Ask them what they're doing. Engage with your politicians, with your local councillors. We've just launched a campaign at Tear Fund called Time to Deliver, which is calling on the government to, uh, to ensure that the promises around climate finance is delivered. Would love you to get involved, and I've put a website up there. You just need to sign something. Um, and we need to push our government to take action. So let's give, let's take action through our individual lives and through taking, calling on our governments and our businesses to act. And then finally, give, act and pray. And I want to finish with this because I do believe that prayer is is fundamental to everything that we do. I believe that prayer changes things and changes situations. And if I can say, we are in one hell of a mess. And all of our actions need are only going to work if we pray. We need to get on our knees and pray. And what does God promise us? that when his people repent of their ways, when they turn from their ways, when they get on their knees, what will he do? He will heal their land. I wonder how often you've read that and thought about people. He will heal their land. And that's what we need to pray for God to do, that, that we need to get on our knees in repentance and pray for God to heal our land. So let's give... Let's act and let's pray. We're going to take a few minutes to think together about what some of the things are that we could do next. Before we do that, let me just tell you about the resources that I've, that I've got. Um, so I've got four books with me that are at the back. One is called Just Living. Faith and Community in an Age of Consumerism. And this is really asking the question, how do we live as followers of Jesus in our consumer society? We live in a society that shapes us and conforms us in, in a particular direction. And yet we are called to be conformed into the likeness of Christ. It's not all mutually exclusive. I don't want to be overly simplistic. But yet, how do we follow Jesus in our consumer society? So that's just living. L is for Lifestyle is a really practical book. It's got lots of very short chapters. It goes through the alphabet, takes an issue for each letter, 
Each chapter is short enough. I, I sometimes call it a toilet book. I don't want to, you know, you might be able to read a chapter in a sitting, depending on, on how that looks. You could tell me later if you want. And each chapter finishes with two or three very clear action points. So you can read about the issue, get a bit of knowledge about it, and then have things that you can really practically go away and do something about. Saying Yes to Life was the Archbishop of Canterbury's Lent book, and it uses Genesis 1 and the six days of creation as the basis for um, exploring a, a whole range of different things, both biblical and contemporary. It's, um, I still can never quite work out how to explain it, but I think, it's got my, I think this is probably my richest book. If you want some, if you're the kind of person that really likes to sit and to think and read and reflect, then I'd recommend saying yes to life. And it's written very deliberately for small groups as well. So if you're, there might be something in your small groups that you would like to read together. And then finally, possibly my favourite book is Planet Protectors, 52 Ways to Look After God's World. And uh, that's for primary school age children. And I co-wrote it with someone called Paul Carenza, who's a comedian and a BBC scriptwriter, wrote scripts for Miranda and uh, various... Pardon? Has he been here? Oh, fabulous. Then, you're, then some of you might know Paul. And we wrote it together, and it's fun and... Oh, that wasn't my comedic moment. And it's fun and it's quirky with lots of illustrations, and um, it's just... Brilliant for primary school aged children. So I've got copies of all of those at the back. There's a, a, a small discount, special offer um, if you get all of them, but you can have a look. So the, the reason I've both written those and brought them uh, is not because I want to make a load of money, because all of the money will go to Tear Fund, but it is really to help you take, go from what we've been looking at today and have some more thoughts and further resources and be able to live it out in practice. So do have a look at those. Let's finish coming back to those three points. How do we, how do we stand in the gap between where we want to get to and where we are now? We give and we act and we pray. Would you take a few minutes, again with the person you've been chatting with before, to think through, coming out of this morning, what one thing could you do now as something different? What action could you do, could you commit yourself to, to take as a takeaway from today?